guys, how's it going? Is that a trick, yo-yo? Why isn't my yo-yo coming back up? Can you walk the dog? <laughs> the Offset Yo-Yo Podcast. Hey guys, how's it going? So, another episode of the Offset Yo-Yo Podcast. I'm your host, BV. How's it going, guys? Brandon here. And today's guest is going to be Connor Seals. This is a packed interview. Anyone who is listening on Spotify or any of the audio platforms, um, this this interview is split into two parts. For you guys on YouTube, don't don't need to worry about it. The whole things uh, the whole thing is on YouTube. But in this episode, we interview Connor Seals. Connor is a U.S. player. He's been on a flurry of yo-yo teams. Uh, he's been on. Uh, team Yo-Yo Jam at one point, Team Throw Revolution, and is currently residing at SF Yo-Yos. Um, he is a competitive powerhouse. He's won competitions from Midwest Regionals to Illinois States to the Scales, uh, scales the online contest, three times. And he has also placed second at US Nationals. Like I said earlier, this is a packed interview. I asked Connor everything from how he excels in normal competitions to how he excels in online contests, and he gives me all of the details. So if you guys are ready to kind of see how um, a top-level yo-yo player thinks, how they recommend, how they got started into yo-yoing, take a look at this interview here, and please enjoy my very, very long and wide-ranging conversation with Connor Seals. Connor Seals, welcome to the Offset Yo-Yo podcast. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for it's, having uh, me. Yeah, no, man. I've uh, I've been really looking forward to this. So I think it's always nice with uh, with these podcast interviews to kind of get a little bit of the player backstory. So um, I think I'll start off with a with a pretty generic question, as in, um, how did you get into yo-yoing? Hmm. All right. Do you want to hear the answer that I just tell people on the street when they ask me, or you want me to actually tell you like the actual story let, let, let's go a little deep because i know a little bit of the story <laughs> but um i let, let let's let's yeah, wind yeah. the clock back a little bit um a little bit more than 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 usual <laughs> okay yeah so growing up i've been i've had a knack for skill toys so mm. i was really into cubing when i was like nine ten mm. years old and I also was into fingerboarding, like using tech decks <laughs> and like doing like a kickflip with your fingers or whatever. And uh, I was also really, I, I played so many video games growing up. So I kind of like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I kind of had it. I kind of really enjoyed just like hand-eye coordination or stuff, whatever. Mm. But when I was 10 in the summer of 2010, I... Uh, my family likes to go camping in the summers and mm. we we took a road trip because I lived in Chicago at the time and we took a road trip from Chicago to the East Coast to um, Williamsburg, Virginia, which is a um, it's a colonial. It's like a it's like a historic town. It's one of the first like it's one of the first colonies in the United States in like the 16 or 1700s or something <laughs> i should probably yeah. know my history a little better <laughs> but uh i went there and uh we were meeting up with some family friends so we had a family who also lived in chicago and they got they got to the spot maybe a day or two before us so we were kind of meeting them there to mm. 
to hang out and um, just explore the um, the town together as mm. families, I guess. And um, <laughs> there was a there were two kids in this family. One guy's name was Tyler, and he was maybe a couple years older than me. So he must have been like 12 and I must have been 10. But I kid you not, in my memories, this 12-year-old was like an adult to me. Okay? <laughs> so like when you're when you're little, you look up. Like if they're older than you, they're like, you're supreme, then, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, I was hanging out with Tyler and um, he was throwing this uh, really old wooden yellow yo-yo. And it was, it, it couldn't have been a more basic yo-yo. It was just, um, it was one of those really cheap gift shop yo-yos. It was, mm -hmm. it was made of wood, which is a plus because a lot of cheap yo-yos these days are just really, really cheap injection molded plastic. But yeah. this one, this one was made of wood. It had yellow paint on it. It was imperial shaped. It was maybe the whole yo-yo with itself was maybe about this wide. Um, mm. it, the string was poked through the axle and tied at the end instead of actually oh, having a finger. So, so, so it, couldn't, it couldn't even spin. It couldn't sleep. Okay. No, it okay. Couldn't sleep. But, but that actually is a really good thing because when I wanted him, I kept, I kept asking him to try it. And as kids are, they don't really like sharing. So he yeah, was like, yeah. he's like, I got it at this gift shop. It was on like, it, he's like, I got it at some gift shop. When we get to the gift shop, you should just buy your own. And I was like, Oh, okay. So <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, I don't, I don't remember being butthurt about it, but then, um, eventually we got to the gift shop and I convinced my mom to buy it for me for $5. And, um, yeah, so I got it and he, I don't know how Tyler knew this stuff, but he taught me the finger, how to tie the finger loop, like the slip knot on my finger. Sure. Um, he, he taught me the proper throw the first okay. day, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and he also he also taught me forward pass. So I don't know I don't know how he knew those tricks, but he taught <laughs> me the, the proper throw, proper catch, and forward pass. And mm. like those tricks are not super hard on a yo-yo that doesn't have that can't sleep. You that, know? that can't so, Yeah. Yeah. So I I picked that up like immediately that day. I was just I was grooving. I was doing the up and down and forward pass all day. Like we were walking around and I was like, yeah, I'm so cool. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so, so cool. I, yeah, dude. I act, I actually, just to give you an idea of how, um, strange, like, I don't know how ADHD I was growing up, <laughs> like, how I, I would cling to things. Like I literally did up and down and forward pass every day for like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do, I didn't do any other tricks. I just did it for fun and I was content with it and I had no desire to like learn any new tricks. <laughs> I thought it was cool for whatever reason. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So I, um, yeah, super weird. And then, uh, I, I've got a question for you actually. You know. So this <laughs> is, this is something that I've kind of reflected on in my, my own life as well. And I'm, and I'm curious because we share a lot of parallels. Um, yeah. You, you, you mentioned that you were a guy that kind of took things to the extreme. So whether that be cubing, fingerboarding, um, video games, yeah. and did you intuitively kind of know that somehow, somewhere there was some crazy yo-yo community that you just didn't quite see yet? Or how did you go about finding the competitive yo-yoing as, as we speak? Yeah. Yeah. 
that took maybe three months for me to find mm. the niche modern yo-yo community. Um, yeah, I I took I took that stupid wooden yo-yo <laughs> to to like summer camp, mm. and I was just playing with it. I was playing with it at summer camp and a good buddy of mine thought it was pretty cool. And he was like, Hey, I've got a yo-yo at my house. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. And then, and then later we went back to school in like August uh. and um, he brought his Duncan butterfly. His, oh, just his, stepping his it plastic. up. Oh no, that is like a huge upgrade from what I had. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's plastic. It's butterfly shaped. It can actually sleep. I mean, most butterflies, have like an axle knot because the kids get an axle knot yeah. but this butterfly actually had like the it had regular string around the, the axle the one. So it, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so it could, it could actually sleep and yeah so he he didn't really know any tricks but he did have a butterfly and i was like whoa i've never seen a yo-yo that looks like this <laughs> and granted i had only seen one yo-yo <laughs> but um yeah so that was kind of cool. And I, I do, I do have this memory. It seems like so long ago, Brandon, but like I have mm. this memory of being at a public pool with my friends and he brought mm. this, but Duncan butterfly and we're just hanging out and he's showing me his cool yo-yo. He said, Oh yeah. He told me this is the best yo-yo in the world. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and he was totally serious because Duncan's slogan is world's number one. Yeah. And, uh, the original world's number one, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> so us being 10 year olds we thought that was a pretty cool yo-yo and then um i must have i don't remember exactly how it happened but i must have looked up yo-yos on the internet and uh, not a lot of not a lot of people can claim they had the internet around when they were 10 years old mm. but we're we're young so we yeah. we've lived with the internet our whole lives but yeah, when I was, yeah, I looked up, I think I, I must have looked something up, or maybe I looked up how to, oh, you know what it was? I, the first yo-yo website I ever found was yoyoplay.com. Oh, yeah, sure, and, sure, yeah. Yeah, and I, um, I got, I didn't know anything about competitions, but I was, my first few yo-yos were the butterfly, the Duncan dragonfly, the Duncan mosquito, oh, the yeah. Duncan the Duncan Metal Zero, which was my first metal yo-yo. <laughs> and um, yeah, they made the Metal Drifter later, but I had the original Metal Zero. Mm. And then I threw it in the garbage because it, like the axle stripped on me. But yeah, so that takes me to, yeah, <laughs> I was looking on Yo-Yo Play. Like Yo-Yo Play was literally my only outlet for what yo-yoing is like i had no <laughs> other i had no other idea so i saw like these hundred dollar yo-yos and these five dollar yo-yos and i remember i went i was looking around on the website and i saw a 120 dollar yo-yo oh and I was my like, god what? <laughs> like what the heck what's the point point? and i clicked on it and it was the jensen kimmett superstar oh and I, wow yeah and i kind of and it, and it was for sale and it was in stock i believe and I'm going to actually pull up a photo of what that looks like in case some people aren't aware. I would hope you're aware. Yeah, but. no, no. The Superstar was, um, yeah, that was definitely one of the yo-yos that I had always, I mean, to be honest, $120 sounds like a steal now, but um, yeah, no, it it like, the Superstar was one of like the first yo-yos in my opinion that really kind of took that 
that wing hate shape that is like ubiquitous among like uh yo yo is today yeah yeah i can't i can't share my screen because there might have been something disabled on your end but uh. um yeah but i was on the browser and i saw that yo yo and then i i saw they always link a video usually and mm. they linked his 2010 world winning freestyle it must have happened like a month prior yeah and, yeah um dude and 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 the rest is history because i watched it <laughs> and dude i've obviously i've never seen anything like it and yeah. Denton's performance specifically is just so outstanding and it was such a like i think to this day the first minute or so of that freestyle is just like a beautiful representation of yo-yo skill like i don't like yeah no i think that's I think, a very good way to describe it yeah it's just like um the way yo-yo contests are scored today with like modern like clicking and everything um i don't think the modern style really does it justice um mm. i think i think his 2010 performance is just to this day is just mind blowing and beautifully done and so polished like if you've ever like if you want to know what a polished polished like he's polishing <laughs> it and you're just loving it you know if you ever if you want to know what a polished freestyle looks like maybe not the entire freestyle cuz he was like forgetting where he was or something mm, i was but, about to say that but yeah but the first minute though oh my goodness it was it's just flawless flawless amazing yeah. amazing performance <laughs> i think yeah. there's like there's just like an elegance and like an artistic nature to it all the while being incredibly competitive for the scoring system at that time and oh, yeah. um and i just think that you know there hasn't quite i mean i think back to what you were saying before like there's definitely like scoring system changes and definitely a lot of players are a bit more strategic now um, but yeah, I'd have to agree. It was a very, um, it's just an elegant freestyle. It's just a cool freestyle. I feel. Yeah. It's just, there, there was probably no better freestyle to push yo-yoing into what it is today than that one. Yeah. I think, uh, there was a pretty big yo-yo boom in 2010 and mm. I think Jensen was probably the biggest piece of that. Mm. <laughs> so mm. yeah. yeah man. And that's why Jensen still has a cult following to this day. That's why his yo-yo company art is so popular and like if you go on his youtube channel like he's got fans that i don't see anywhere else like yeah. you could be on instagram or facebook but then you go to art's youtube channel there's like hundreds of people who i've can't even recognize that are just like huge fans of jensen <laughs> and i'm one of them so Cool. Yeah, no, no, I, I definitely think, and he's cultivated like his own kind of group of players that embody that ethos as well. I think Charles Haycock yeah. has, has a similar vein of like what Jensen Jensen did as well. So I think mm -hmm. it's 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 its own its own little sub 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 niche within yo-yoing, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, kind of like jumping off from that, I know. And judging by your style, you were very influenced as well by uh, Hiroyuki Suzuki, which is personally my favorite mm -hmm. player as well. Could you talk to that a little bit as yeah. well? Yeah. Actually, the first two competition freestyles I ever watched, I can't remember which order it was. I'm pretty sure I watched the Jensen one first. 
Mm. And then I watched a YouTube video called Yo-Yo God. <laughs> and it's it's no longer on YouTube. I don't know where it is, but it's a... The, the YouTube, YouTube was very simpler back then, but um, the title was literally no capital letters. It was just <laughs> Yo-Yo God. That was the name of the video. And it was Hiroyuki Suzuki's 2005 world winning freestyle, which is another one of those just beautifully polished, amazing mm. performances. Like I still, I'm in love with that freestyle. And I also <laughs> love his 2006 a little better, but yeah. yeah no, I, 2006 for me would, would be my favorite. I, I never actually really, I mean, uh, undoubtedly it's a good freestyle, but I never really gravitated towards that one. But the 2006 freestyle, that would be uh, my favorite freestyle of, I think of all time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that 2006 one is crazy, but his 2005 one is actually his cleanest performance ever, I would say, mm-hmm. or one of mm-hmm. his cleanest. It only had, like, I think during quarantine, I did, I watched every Mickey freestyle and I clicked <laughs> them all. I didn't even, yeah, it, um, Mickey, oh, it's not in my notes. What the heck? I would have to find it later. But yeah, it, it, it didn't have very many mistakes. Like, his 2005 might have like six or seven total negatives. Oh, wow. That's something. very clean for the 2005. Yeah, well, yeah, and his tricks were so risky, especially with like a Yo-Yo Jam speeder, which is like mm. this wide. Yeah, <laughs> not really. It's it's a really narrow Yo-Yo, but he's doing like crazy suicides and crazy catches like and stuff. But stuff, yeah, I, yeah. But you know, I'm, I, I'm I'm also yeah, I'm a huge I, Mickey fan, and uh, I that was one of the first freestyles I watched, and I continued to be like a diehard Mickey fan mm. um, for for a few years <laughs> i'm still like at heart i'm a huge mickey fan but I, i'm not like i'm not like worshiping him any anymore i was when i was like 11 years old but <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean uh, to be honest with you like he's probably the one player that is still he still feels like a bit of a celebrity when i like see him like mm-hmm. I, I go to a lot of yeah. contests in like the asia pacific region um and i'm Dallas. pretty well acquainted with like most yo-yo players now like the the novelty is kind of worn off. They, they, they just seem like people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but whenever yeah. I see Mickey, I'm just like, Oh, here it comes. There he is. <laughs> I and think I, he knows how cool he is. And <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. Cause most yo-yo players are just normal people <laughs> and they yeah. also yo-yo, but I think Mickey's probably a normal dude as well, deep down. But when he's at a yo-yo contest, he's just, no, when he's at a he's at a yo-yo contest, he's like a demigod. I remember at a yeah. Asia Pacific, I I literally had to summon up the courage to like interview him on that podcast. I felt like a yeah. like a student newsletter, being like, "Hey, could you please please show up to my podcast?" But um, no, he was yeah. great. He was he was he was great towards the end, and he was he was really um, yeah, he he's he's a nice guy. One. One thing I I really want to t- talk to you about is could you tell me the story of how you got onto uh, the Yo-Yo Jam protege team? Oh, thanks for asking. That's great. Um, yeah, so like I mentioned, my family liked to go camping in the summer and the Midwest Regional Yo-Yo Competition of 2012 was, I think like, I think it was June 25th, 2012. And our family, um, our family had a camping trip, like almost right on that date. And I was so distraught. I really wanted to go to that contest. I mean, 
I had only been to one other contest before. My first contest was Mid-East Regionals 2011. Mm. And um, we, in Michigan, that was a fun one. I met I met players like Hank Freeman and Colin Beck. No, no, not Colin Beck. Uh, yeah, a few. Yeah, Hank Freeman and Chris Frazier and oh, other yeah. players. Yeah, but yeah. But we, we went camping and my dad somehow managed to schedule the end of our trip right at the contest. So we like drove to the West Coast to see like San Francisco and stuff. And then we drove <laughs> all the way back to Minneapolis, all of America. And we went to my first Midwest Regionals, which turned mm. out to be one of my favorite contests just ever. Because yeah. um, I think that contest has a lot of, there's a <laughs> lot of ways that contest can improve, but I... I still love the location. I think mm. there's not many locations in this in the US that works so well. I think the Mall of America is amazing. Like it's you always like if you're competing at Midwest Regionals, you're guaranteed to have like at least 300 people watching you. Oh wow, live. that's a lot. At, at least well, there's like four stories of balconies. Right, and right. All these people shopping on a Saturday in the summer and it's just yeah. this, so many people mm. and so yeah midwest regionals is awesome so to get back on topic um i was 12 it was my first midwest regionals i met players like ben condy and ian johnson and john Naram for the first time and um shakeem anderson i met him when he i don't know if you know who that is but he he was like <laughs> shakeem was like this a little cute little kid at the time <laughs> well so was i but um i got there and I was, I was pretty talented at the time. I had been yo-yoing okay. for two years, but I had, I had gotten pretty good at like really basic horizontal movements. Cause I was able to do like the, um, the over under, uh, oh, yeah. like pinwheels. So you would do like a pinwheel this way and then you would go under oh, this yeah. way. And this is, this is 2012, <laughs> Which, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that was like so, on the meta, like that was, that was pretty impressive back then. Well, yeah. I mean, if you remember Andrew Bergen from 2011, one of his, one of his best tricks at the time was a horizontal trick. He did it in finals of 2011, uh, nationals finals. It was basically just like, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was just a trapeze and he did pinwheels and then went under for the pinwheels. Yeah. And it looked really cool at the time. It was <laughs> like, whoa, you know? So I, I basically stole that and I did like a, double or nothing version and a 1.5 version and it was so basic like today it would have scored like one for everything yeah. like it, it yeah. doesn't score at all but yeah i was pretty talented at two years um i was able to do a lot of tricks pretty well and i was like at the time my horizontal was fantastic but to be honest it was a really simple horizontal trick um <laughs> But I, yeah, I got, I think I got eighth place or maybe seventh place. I'm surprised I don't remember, but I, I might've gotten like seventh place at, um, oh no, I think it was eighth. I got eighth place at my first Midwest regionals and I was not like going for a sponsorship or anything like that. Mm. I was, I was a diehard Yo-Yo Factory fan because, um, I think Jensen kind of got me to love Yo-Yo Factory <laughs> before he left, but, yeah. um, yeah, I loved I loved Yo-Yo Factory. I was wearing a Yo-Yo Factory T-shirt. I was using a Genesis. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then after the contest, Ben Condi approached me, and I don't think I don't remember if I ever started a conversation with him before because it was kind of like yeah. you with Mickey. I was like, 
this guy is like a pro. He's so good. Like this was right after his 2011 Worlds, which was like right. legendary, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is this is the Ben Condi. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so I didn't talk to him the whole time because <laughs> I feel like there's a trend with kids at yo-yo contests who are young. They just are so afraid to talk to um like top players because yeah. they think they're just they think they're like snobs or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're not worthy to talk to you, you know. But um. It's so funny, but yeah, Ben approached me and dude, it was, I was so nervous when he started talking to me. I barely remember what he said. I probably was like, oh, oh. and he, he was like basically saying like, Hey, it was, it's nice to see you perform today. We think like you've, you've got some great tricks. Wow. You're yeah. Wow. It's, I don't know. Hyping me up and was like, Hey, would you want to, would you want to be on like yo-yo jams protege team or something? And I was like, Whoa. And I think he told me, he's like, yeah, I think you're really, really good. So I think we might put you on the contest team instead of the Protos J team. And oh, I was like, oh my it. gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. But I still to this day don't know if they added me to the contest team or the Protos J team because they gave me like a contest team t-shirt and then they mm. put me on the Protos webpage, but I didn't have a, <laughs> I didn't have a guy who was mentoring me. So, and then Ben Condi, like, my last two years of yo-yo jam ben condi was like oh i'll be your mentor and i was like oh okay but yeah i don't know but yeah i joined and it was pretty awesome and i was like freaking hyped and i remember okay this does feel like yesterday when i went to the after party at midwest regionals in 2012 and um, me and ian johnson and john narum and ben condi we all went to some restaurant and mm. uh, with a bunch of other yo-yo jam members like yeah, yo-yo contests were bigger and had a lot more people back then. But yeah, there was like 20 yo-yo jam members all just hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, yo-yo jam was pretty cool at the time. And uh yeah, so we were just hanging out and we got a photo together and they covered up my yo-yo factory logo <laughs> and got a photo. So yeah. Yeah, it was pretty sick. It was a dude, great that memory. That would have been and like a dream come true for like a kid that age because dude you like for those of you mm -hmm. i mean there are probably people who are listening to this that are like what's yo-yo jam like but yeah, yo-yo jam yeah. was Crazy. like the place to be like i i think 2012 yeah. they were losing a bit of steam but still if, if mm -hmm. i had been offered a sponsorship mm -hmm. i would have taken that um, yeah yeah side, side note question actually like, this is something i'm just genuinely curious about what yo-yo did you use when you were on yo-yo jam mm -hmm. yeah um, I guess at the time when I got, when I got sponsored by Yo-Yo Jam, I was like, all right, what's their best Yo-Yo? And I was already familiar with the Phenom. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was like, the Phenom's probably their best Yo-Yo, which mm. I would argue it was at the time. And I think I got sponsored. I got sponsored by Yo-Yo Jam. I think one month before Mickey left Yo-Yo Jam <laughs> and started, <laughs> uh, and started like something. Something. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was on the same team as him for maybe a month. <laughs> so I was like, so, so honored, you know? And, um, yeah, so I kept telling Ben and there was a very kind lady named Valerie. Um, mm. she, she was the, she was like the team coordinator of Yo-Yo Jam. Uh, we still keep in touch on Facebook, but she, um, 
I was basically telling her like what yo-yo I wanted for competition. And I was like, I really want a phenom. And she's like, okay, we'll try to get you one. And then they sent me this giant box of like mostly plastic yo-yos, mostly like kind of like the budget yo-yo jam yo-yos. And then there was like a few metal ones and there was one phenom and it was a, it was a team edition phenom, which was really cool. It was a, um, it was like burgundy red with like yellow acid wash on it. Oh, very but nice. It was red with yellow acid wash, and it was super nice. And I actually lost it. I don't oh, know where wow. it is. It's, oh. it's it's one of the few yo-yos I've just misplaced and completely mm. lost track of where it was. But I wish I still had it. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's a no. sick yo-yo. I, I, com- I competed with the Phenom, I think, most of my time. At least in 2012, I did. And then, and then in 2013, 2014, I used the Diamondback. And sure. Then, in 2015, I used the Diamondback 2, which are all pretty great yo-yos. The Diamondback yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah, no, no, that they're all sick yo-yos. And, you know, for what it's worth, the uh, the Phenom was my, um, or the Phenom as I would call it. I don't know. I never really learned <laughs> yeah, how to pronounce I, it. <laughs> I called it the Phenom. <laughs> yeah. I called it the Phenom because Hiroyuki Suzuki could not pronounce Phenom correctly. Yeah, so that's what I call I, it I, as well. Yeah, he called it Phenom. And that's what I called it. <laughs> that's what I thought it was. Yeah. Was so yeah, funny. no, but yeah, that was my competition yo-yo as well. I think I used it for like 2010, 2011. Um, and dude, I love that thing with like every fiber of my being. I, I, I still have mine. It's ding to hell, but I still have it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that's, that's really cool, dude. So, I mean, something I want to touch on just because I know you're a very strategic and methodical guy. Um, and you've been sponsored by a number of teams. You've, you've been on Yo-Yo Jam. You've been on, on Throw Revolution, which not a lot of people talk about. And, and now you're on SF Yo-Yos. Do mm-hmm. you have a process for attracting sponsors? Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really think... Um, I don't really think people should like have some strategic... like approach to trying to find a sponsorship i think Mm. um some people they try to get a sponsor and they might get really 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 lucky and get it but to be honest with most of my experience like if you're like desperately trying to get from a specific brand yeah um, yeah it's usually a turnoff um to the company unless unless you're just really good like Mm. i don't know if <laughs> I don't know, like if it, if in 2009 Jensen was like, I really want to get on Yo-Yo Factory, I'm sure they would have been happy to take yeah. him, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I've never had like I, I know you might you might want to assume that I had some sort of master strategy, but I didn't. I just mm. I just really enjoy yo-yoing, and I I love making performances, and I love competing. So I was just doing my best and I always tried to do my best and I um I think sponsorships are cool and I was lucky enough to get one so early at 12 mm-hmm. years old like two years in and yeah I mean not a lot of people like can say that and mm. I do think like they were like yo-yo jam was doing so much for me that I did not deserve like I think like the return on investment for them was just <laughs> so yeah. lost like they were not getting a return from me like I was not like a top player or anything. I wasn't mm. like, I wasn't generating any yo-yo sales, maybe if anything. Yeah. Um, but I think this is something that, um, something I appreciate that yo-yo companies do when they, when they do it, 
they don't mm. do it super often, but when they do sponsor a younger player who is not necessarily going to get them a return right away, like they're mm. not, mm. they're not huge on the internet or anything, but they, they're skilled, they're talented, they have passion, yeah. they want to get better, you know, they're going to get better and you sponsor them, even though they, um, you sponsor them, even though they, they're not, uh, they're not at their peak yet, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love when companies do that, but and that's what they did for me, you know. So, um, yeah, I've never really had a strategy. I've just just chill. Yeah, and I mean, I there was a period where I wasn't sponsored between twenty twenty sixteen, like all of twenty sixteen, I wasn't sponsored, and then um, a good portion of twenty seventeen as well. So it was like a little over a year where I had no sponsor, and yeah. I wasn't. I was looking for sponsorships, but I wasn't like too desperate about it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like the, the reason I just bring that up is because um, I don't know, like as a, pl- a lot of players kind of come to me and they always, a question they'll always ask me is, you know, how do you get sponsored? And you know, the, the, the question or the answer I will always invariably give is be ridiculously good at yo-yoing and, be a nice person and it's, it's always such an unsatisfying <laughs> answer and i see their faces kind of like droop down and like oh i was expecting the the secret formula so whenever i see a, a play with like a, a rack of sponsorships under their belt i try to like flip the same uh question just to kind of shed light to the oh, community but yeah. um but yeah no i, I would yeah. say my answer is pretty pretty consistent or pretty similar to yours yeah i do think being like being really good is like the number one reason someone would get sponsored. But I think being, being an influencer on the internet, like if you're, if you're a yo-yoer and you somehow get a huge following from people who don't yo-yo, those people also get sponsorships as well. And Mm. like, and those people otherwise would not have gotten a sponsorship (laughs) if they didn't like go viral or something. Um, Mm. That's another way, but there is no easy way to do it. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. yeah. So, I mean, I, I think this has been this has been really cool. And I think, like, if if anyone knows you, you know, we 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 accelerate the clocks a little bit, and you just become this hyper hyper competitive dude. You begin crushing it on the scene. You eventually start to figure it out, and you become a a formidable player in your own right. Could you just walk me through? Uh, what it felt like to win your first contest. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is such a great memory. Um, it took me six years to win my first contest mm. and it was Illinois state 2016. And ironically enough, there's two Illinois state 2016s. There was okay. one in, there was one in April and then they did a different one in November. So, um, okay. two completely, two completely different organizers, oh. like, uh, James Buffington from Chicago. He organized the first one at a coffee shop in Chicago. Sure. And then, um, and then I think yo tricks organized the 2016 one in November Sure. And I won both of them, but the oh, first okay. one I was going to say was, who won the other one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I won them both, but the, the, actually the second one is a really good performance. I think one of the, one of the best ones I've done, mm. um, maybe not like in terms of like how well it clicks or whatever, but I think yeah. overall, it's, overall it's 
one of my best. But the the first one, <laughs> I was, um, yeah, I wasn't sponsored at the time. So my main throw, which is such a random yo-yo, and I probably could have done better with so many different yo-yos, but I <laughs> I used the turning point palpitation. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, Takeshi signature yo-yo. And I, yeah, I had one of those and that was like, I was using that for speed tricks. Like that was literally my yo-yo <laughs> for like horizontal speed tricks, everything like that. And <laughs> like, if I had a drop mirror or something, I would have yeah. probably been like, I would have been set, you know, but I was using a yeah. palpitation, which is so random. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a I good was, yo-yo. I, it's just yeah. not a yo-yo <laughs> I'd expect a person or a player like you to use. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a phenomenal yo-yo, but for what I was doing, it, there were better options. But uh, yeah. I was, um, yeah, I was, I, I wasn't sponsored, and I was practicing a lot at the time. And it was the first time I tried the whole nylon glove thing because ah. um, it was the first time I ever wore like two full gloves, and it was the first time I, I found the new feeling brand, like the new mm. feeling gloves that. Mm. Taka Hasegawa, like he, he found them like in bulk somewhere in the <laughs> industry in Japan. And he was like, Hey, these could be good yo-yo gloves. And then yeah. he, he sold them on spin gear and then he shipped them to rewind and he shipped them to Yotis <laughs> and he's like, Hey, these are good yo-yo gloves. And then in 2015, everyone started using everyone them. Everyone used them. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so in 2016, I was like, Hey, I should try them. So I got a couple pairs and then I, it felt so weird. I hated gloves, but at first I did, but, um, it, uh, yeah, I, I had an issue with like clammy hands whenever I mm, got mm. nervous on stage. I would my hands would sweat, so the the gloves helped a lot. But yeah, I practiced a lot. I I made a pretty good performance for one A and off string, and uh, I went to the contest and I was trying to win one A and four A at the contest, um, and I had never won anything. But I was I was going big. I was like, I want to win both yeah. of these. <laughs> you know, it, I, I think actually it was a it was a one A division and an open division for right, right, the other right. the other four styles, and I was like, I want to win everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember uh, I was talking to a player. Um, I'm not going to say who it was <laughs> because I told him like, "All right, I want to like." He's like, "What do you? What's your goal for today or whatever?" And I was like, oh, "Yeah, I want to win one A and open." And he's like, "Oh, <laughs> cool." And then I was like, "He's like, are you going to Worlds?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to Worlds, which is in Cleveland that year." And he's like how do you want to do there? He's like, I was like, Oh, I want to be a one A and four A world finalist this year. <laughs> and, it, and I've never like finaled, obviously he's like, he was like, good luck. <laughs> and he, he didn't even say like, Oh, you could do that. He was just like, good luck. <laughs> but yeah, all that stuff happened, which is cool. But yeah, I went on stage. Yeah. I mean, and I had it's a like to underscore, like you, you actually pulled it off, right? Like to my understanding, yeah. you, you finaled mm -hmm. in worlds 2016, right? Yeah. Yeah. in two divisions. I was like, for the people who finaled in two divisions, there was Takeshi and me <laughs> and like maybe one other person. So it's, yeah. it's like one of the best yoyors ever. And then I squeaked in. I got last <laughs> I got the last qualifier in four A and yeah. like fifteenth in one A. But yeah, that was that was a, that was another amazing memory. But yeah, mm. winning my first contest was pretty awesome. Um yeah, I, I, I went on stage and I did my best and I had fun and I actually wasn't very nervous. I was pretty confident. I was trying to win. Um, yeah, I, I felt like I, I felt like I had a really good shot at winning. So I just, I did my best and I, 
um, had a pretty good performance. Yeah. 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 It was, it was great. It was, it was, it was pretty awesome to win the whole thing too, to win two divisions. Yeah. The it was clean pretty sweep. surprising. Yeah. It was actually really tough to win for it. Cause I was up against Chris Chun. Oh, wow. And, okay. And he, he was pretty experienced at the time. And it was one of my first times competing in foray, but he had a, like, he was way better than me. He had a sloppy, like he had a bad run. I had a mm. really, really good run and I yeah. beat him by like a point or two. So uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a win's a win though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. It, 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 for you to ask like, what was it like to win your first contest? Well, um, I was happy, but yeah. I was hungry for more. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, dude. Okay. This is, this is a topic I, I really want to go uh, deep with you in. Let's, let's talk about prelims. Um, yeah. Now I want to preface it with this. Uh, I was listening to another interview uh, you did. And at the time I was like, he's just making this up. This is, this can't be true because what you said was uh, sometimes within prelim routines, you would actively just try to not do as well as you possibly could because you don't want to be the last player to perform. Could you just speak a little bit about that and like dig into that? I'm, I'm curious. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I, (laughs) (laughs) this, this strategy actually worked perfectly for me until PNWR 2020. When sure. I, I did not like that's that's a contest that not a lot of people know I competed in and I didn't make finals because <laughs> um yeah I was okay I'll I'll go back to that later but um yeah the strategy is and I think it does work I think it is like I think it does have sense to it like, I yeah. don't have actually I don't have proof for you but um if you take a group of finalists you have 15 let's say you have 15 finals um performances um, if you're judging, um, when people do their evaluation scores, they do it from one to 10 and they kind of use 10 as like best possible. Right. So mm. Evan Nagao's showmanship 10, you know? Yeah. And, um, so that's an example, but, yeah. um, like shoe Takata body control 10 stuff like that. So, sure. um, sometimes when judges are doing eval scores, sometimes they have the flaw where they actually don't have 10 be the best possible. They'll have 10, they'll have 10 be like really, really good or like, like their standard for a perfect 10 is a little too low. So like they'll be a little too generous to give an eight. They'll be a little bit too generous to give a seven. Like for example, like in eval scores, a five is considered average, right? which is good. So like, let's pretend music use yeah i think a five in music use is when you use the music pretty well Mm. and a lot of people would be like what shouldn't i get like a seven or an eight like no like if you use the music pretty well like you have some choreography um when you reach the standard of like average like not bad not great but pretty good Mm. i would give it like a five maybe a six but um yeah so the reason i'm saying this is because um Sometimes throughout a finals, like let's say there's 15 competitors, um, when um, I've judged a lot, and this is why I know this, <laughs> when I don't know if this is just me, but when you're giving eval scores, sometimes you will, um, you'll be like, all right, that was a good performance. 
um, what should I give him on music use? Hmm. And then you'll be like, oh yeah, the guy who performed right before this, I gave him a five in music use and this was better. Okay, I'll give this a six. And uh, I see. sometimes people sometimes people score evaluations comparatively, which is not correct. This is not the right way to do it. And it's the way I've done it sometimes on accident. And I think mm. it's something that judges do subconsciously on accident. Mm-mm. And people will say like, uh, let's pretend, um, let's pretend Evan Nagao at PNWR, let's pretend he's like the first person to compete and he has some really, really fun, really entertaining, not necessarily like the highest scoring, like it doesn't have to be like, let's yeah, just pretend yeah. it's some amazing Evan performance. He's rolling around on the ground, just, I don't know, mm. two minute performance, dude, all the judges are going to be like, whoa, showmanship 10. And then like for the rest of finals, they're just, they'll just, they're just going to be like, oh my gosh compare this to Evan. Like every time they, <laughs> Three, every time they put down a, sh- yeah, you know, like every time they put down a showmanship score, they're kind of going to have, they're going to have that image of what the standard is, you know? Yeah. And one thing, one thing that I've seen in yo-yo contests, um, I, I have certain contests in mind, but I'm not going to mention, but um, a competitor will go last and he'll be the last person to compete and he'll be the best performance, like easily the, like, in terms of evals, mm. the best performance and the margin by which they win the eval scores are not very big. So mm. let's say, um, let's say someone has decent music use and the judges might average like a seven and yeah. then, and then someone has fantastic music use, like, like put so much work into it and it's so well choreographed and gets an average of nine where that margin is not super big at one point. So that's a 3.5 versus a 4.5. Yeah. Which, um, well, you've earned that one point, but honestly, I think it should be a little bit bigger. Like it should be two points or a point right. and a half at least. But um, this is all kind of like just, just some philosophy. It's not like... Um, well, no, I, I think it's rooted in, in experience. And I think that's probably one of the best ways players can kind of understand the scoring system more is to actively go and judge it. So. But yeah. just so I understand, so you don't want to be at the very end. You want to kind of comparatively stack yourself against, and I don't know if this is the right word, but against like a, a weaker player so that relatively your scores will be more inflated. Is that is that the thinking behind it? Yeah, well, the the whole point, the whole, the whole way to win a yo-yo contest is to have your eval scores be higher than... Um, than the other competitors comparatively. So yeah, um, I like to think of yo-yo contests as like the only competitor is yourself and you just need to do yeah. your best. But, <laughs> um, but there is like, there is a little bit more into it. And yeah, um, of course I, there have been plenty of players who have gone last, like they're the last competitor and they just blow everyone's mind and they still win. Yeah. Um, but I think I kind of just like the spot of being like, in the middle of the pack like let's mm. pretend there's a few heavy hitters let's pretend you've got like a bunch yeah. of really good players towards the end like if i was like fifth to last or sixth to last or yeah. something um i i i'm always a fan of like setting the bar really high so that for the judges later they'll compare it to mm. me like i want i want to stand out in the judge's head in in context of the whole competition they'll be like they'll be judging and they'll be like yeah connor had Connor had the best musicality. Connor had the best space use. 
um, mm-hmm. Connor had the best control. Okay. And this competitor X just went on stage and I'm going to put my scores um, in relation to what I gave Connor. Right. <laughs> Which right. It's, it's not like, it's not like tried and true or proven or anything. I just think it's, um, it's a little, like, I, it's just a preference. That's yeah. all it is. I just, I don't yeah. prefer to go last. I think going last is pretty awesome and it builds yeah. up a lot of hype. Like the audience mm. is excited to watch the last performance. And I think there is the flip side of that where the judges might be a little more excited if it's the last performance, but mm. I don't know. It's just a preference of mine. <laughs> sure. Okay. But I mean, and, and thank you for like breaking that down in like excessive detail. So I think that's, that's really, that's super interesting. I've never, I've never heard someone talk about it like that before, but I, I, I'm curious because like, I'm just thinking about my own perspective, right? I would not have the balls to like half ass a prelim for that like gain. And what does that look Um, like? What, like, okay. And I know like we, we can preface this aside as like PNR 2020 doesn't, doesn't quite go to plan, but like, what does it look like when you nerf a prelim? Do you deliberately take tricks out that you know will score well do you deliberately do a miss? What does it look like? How do you have such mastery of your tech tricks that you kind of know what to put in, what not to? Well, I've actually only done this twice. There's only okay. been two times where I've actually walked into a prelim and I'm trying to get 10th place. Right. Um, twice I've done that. One time it worked perfectly. And then the next time, Okay, the first time it worked, but it kind of didn't work. And then the second time it just flat out didn't work. Okay. Um, I actually I actually would not recommend this to like ninety-nine sure. percent of people. Fair but, enough. Um yeah, in PNWR twenty nineteen, I um I just I didn't I, I I kind of was thinking of this theory that we were just talking about. Yeah. And um I knew I ended up getting second in the contest. I didn't even win. So mm. like Kieran still beat me by a pretty good bit. Um, right. But I, I, I was like, I want to go before Kieran. I want to go before Colin Beckford. I want to go before Yuki Nishitako. Mm. I want to go before all of these like heavy hitters. Mm. And I just want to do an outstanding performance and hopefully, you know, and that was, that was my goal. And then when I went into prelims, I, I just made a performance that was kind of chill the music, the music wasn't, um, you wouldn't hear the song and be like, Oh, that's a good yo-yo song. Sure. Um, sure. It was, it was just like a chill song. Um, little bits of choreo here and there. It was, mm. um, it was just not an ambitious prelim. I don't really, okay. I, I didn't really have a strategy for it. Like I wasn't, mm. I was not making the best prelim I could possibly make. I was yep. just making like a decent prelim. And mm. then I got seventh place um, in that prelim, which was perfect, right where I wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. But it ended up not working perfectly for me. But uh, uh, but why didn't it work? (laughs) I got second in finals. Oh right, right. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I um, yeah, I was trying to win and I didn't, and that's okay. Mm. But the twenty, but in twenty twenty PNWR, um, I, I was. I knew the performance was good enough to get like 15th or 10th, like somewhere in that range. And I was practicing backstage and I was consistently getting like four mistakes or less in the prelim, mm. like over and over. Like it was pretty clean. Um, I was doing a bunch of like 
weird tech tricks that I would never normally do. Sure. And I was like, I'm just going to make a cool freestyle that's really out there and like something that people didn't expect. And I was consistent. Like backstage, I, I did not have a single run through that was more than like six mistakes, but I was just consistent. I was like solid. And I went on stage and I wasn't even nervous or anything. I just went up and I <laughs> bombed the prelims, completely Damn. bombed it. I got like maybe at least 15 mistakes, maybe 20 mistakes. Oh, wow. That's, that's a really big band. Yeah, no, I mean, it was bad. It was. I, yeah, I tried was to find a, a recording of that freestyle as well, just to kind of see what went down. I couldn't find one, but um, yeah. There no. is one. <laughs> <laughs> there is a recording. I haven't watched it. Uh, I actually, I've actually never watched the performance. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I did it and I was like, I don't think I made it. <laughs> I walked <laughs> off stage and I was like, I can't believe I just missed finals at PNWR because I, mm. I won world's prelims six months before that. And then yeah, I, yeah. and then I get like 30, 32nd place or something in like PNWR prelims. I don't remember what mm. place it was, but it was pretty low. Yeah. <laughs> it did not work. Yeah. So, well, the, and then, the reason yeah. I, the reason I bring this up is because like everybody <laughs> knows you are a formidable, formidable, like, competitor when it comes to prelims so i i think if i'd heard yeah. that from any other person i'd be like he just bombed a uh a prelim freestyle and is just trying to like cover up his tracks but like i think it's because it's so known that you like crush it on the prelim stage that i think there was a bit of truth to it yeah yeah it was kind of surprising if you were to have people bet money on if i would be in finals or not people would be like what <laughs> what yeah. do you mean I, I, yeah <laughs> you know, like, i would have lost a lot of money <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It was kind of it was a surprise for me too because I I had been really consistent the whole day, and mm. it kind of taught me to always do your best. I think the I think the not wanting to be last is like I think it, it's fine as a preference thing, but I don't think you yeah. should purposely make your prelim worse. I think that's just a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. So it Fair worked. Enough. It worked all right for me once, but then it just flat out bombed. Mm. <laughs> the second time so yeah i wouldn't i would definitely not recommend it but it was yeah sure it, it's fine as a preference but i'm not gonna make a big fuss about it anymore make a fuss about it. my best <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah fair enough 